This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our gospel for today, taken from the fifth chapter of Mark's gospel, is a masterpiece, both in a literary and a spiritual sense. The story itself is a very artfully crafted interweaving of two tightly related narratives. The story of the woman with the hemorrhage is sandwiched in between two sections of the story of the raising of Jairus' daughter. So the two stories are, are intertwined. We're compelled to read them together. That's what Mark is doing. Now, to get at the theological and spiritual power of this gospel, we have to reacquaint ourselves with the Jewish attitudes regarding the clean and the unclean. See, it's a world that was very important in ancient times. It's largely alien to us. But to get what's at stake in these stories, we have to move back into that universe. I suggest that a treasure trove for the sociology of ancient Jewish practice is the book of Leviticus. There you'll find page after page of carefully laid out prescriptions, laws, directives dealing with animals, plants, food, situations that are clean and unclean. That was the central preoccupation of the book of Leviticus, to guide your way through life so that you'd know what was acceptable, what wasn't acceptable. The deep conviction of ancient Jews, and of many other ancient peoples too, was that certain things would render a person polluted and hence incapable of any kind of social intercourse or indeed worship. Now here's a passage that's very relevant to our reading, and it's from the 15th chapter of Leviticus. Listen. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, all the days of the discharge she shall continue in uncleanness. Every bed on which she lies during all the days of her discharge shall be treated as the bed of her impurity, and everything on which she sits shall be unclean. Whoever touches these things shall be unclean. Here's the second passage, by the way, relevant to our gospel story, much shorter. No one shall defile himself with a dead person except for his nearest kin. That means no one shall touch the body of a dead person except his family member preparing the body for burial. Touching a corpse would render somebody radically unclean. That's the point. Now, lest we get perhaps a little too tough on the book of Leviticus, many things, animals, situations described as unclean, are in fact unclean. <laughs> That's to say, dangerous or unhealthy. And now we know that with our you know, more advanced uh, medical knowledge. But they were intuiting a number of things in the ancient world, certain types of animals and fish and plants and so on that were in fact dangerous, certain practices that were dangerous, and they're declared unclean. 
And, you know, to be honest, don't we have our own version of unclean foods and practices? Just pick up any health magazine sometime. Look at annual lists of foods that we shouldn't eat. Think of the status of smokers in our society. Talk about people who are ritually unclean today, forced outside of the normal um, places of, of, uh, of interaction and so on. So I, I don't want to be too tough on Leviticus, as though we just dismiss it as, as ancient nonsense. The deepest point, too, is that the prescriptions of the book of Leviticus were meant to identify the Jewish people as a people. These were the things that we do and don't do. Every people has something like that, and the ancient Jews did. But, but, all of this, even as we understand it more clearly, had a rather severe downside because it placed certain people in extremely difficult situations. People like this woman we hear of in the gospel. Having a flow of blood for 12 years meant that for that entire period, she was a virtual pariah. Anyone with whom she came in contact would be considered unclean. Anything she touched or sat on would be unclean. All of which means she could not in any meaningful sense participate in the ordinary life of her society. Here's a woman who has a physical problem. We don't know what it was. No fault of her own. But because of that and because of the perdurance of it, she was cut off utterly from the society of her time. In a word, her problem went far beyond her physical difficulty, whatever that was precisely. She had enormous psychological and spiritual suffering as well. Now, with all of that in mind, go back to this story. She's tried doctors for years, we're told. She's just gotten worse. She is so desperate that when she hears this of this healer coming by, this Jesus, she reaches out and touches him. She touches his cloak. What did Leviticus say? It said that that very act would render him unclean. You see what she was doing, how dramatic it was. Why the crowd is uneasy with her at this point. Because she's making him unclean. The wonderful reversal, and this is what we're supposed to see in this gospel, that so great is her trust that her touch, instead of rendering him unclean, in fact, renders her clean. Do you see how everything that they expected was reversed? And by healing her physically, Jesus effectively restores her to full participation in the community. He's healing her at every possible level. But what's even more important? Jesus thereby implicitly puts an end to the ritual code of the book of Leviticus. By reversing the expectation of Leviticus that he'd be unclean, He's implying that the identity of the new Israel 
which is the church, would not be brought about through ritual behaviors, but precisely through contact with him. See, friends, that's the key here. That's the hinge of this gospel. Ancient Israel believed that by following the prescriptions of the book of Leviticus and many others, they would discover who they were. But Jesus now is saying, no, no, it's not in relation to the prescriptions of the book of Leviticus. It's in relation to me that you will know who you are. Notice how throughout the New Testament we hear of Jesus declaring all foods clean. We hear in the Acts of the Apostles of St. Peter's great vision at Joppa, where all these unclean animals are are lowered on a, a great sheet in front of him, and a voice says, take and eat. And Peter reacts, no, no, I'll never eat anything unclean. What he's saying is, I'll never eat anything that is officially prescribed by the book of Leviticus. But the voice says, take and eat. What's happening there is something much deeper than just, do I eat this animal or not? What's happening is a whole people is being redefined, not in relation to the laws of Leviticus, but in relation to Jesus. Now, the story of the hemorrhaging woman provides a kind of sandwich of the central story of the raising of the daughter of Jairus, and much the same point is being made. Jairus comes to Jesus, begging him to come and and help his little daughter who's dying. But as Jesus is is coming, the servants appear, and they tell him the devastating news that your daughter is dead, and so don't trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus presses on. She's not dead, she's just asleep. The crowd, of course, mocks him at this point. But he comes into the house. He asks where the girl is. And then he bends down and takes her by the hand. And see, we're going to say, well, that's just a nice little gesture. But no, you're you're a Jew now in the first century. Here's someone who's not a family member and has come into the room where a dead body is laid out. And now he makes bold to touch her took her by the hand. See, that shocked everybody in the room because that would render him unclean according to the book of Leviticus. But he takes her by the hand and the beautiful, it's one of the only times in the gospel that Jesus' own speech is preserved. The gospels, you know, are written in Greek. But very occasionally, his own Aramaic is preserved. And here's one of the times. He says, Talitha koum. It means little girl, get up. Beautiful. What I, I find so moving here is that that has all the sign, doesn't it, of, of something distinctly remembered. People who were there, who remembered that scene, they remembered the words he used, talitakom. And the little girl gets up and he says, give her something to eat. A great miracle of healing, yes indeed, as it was with the hemorrhaging woman. Even greater miracle of healing here. But I think we're being asked to see again that the book of Leviticus is being overcome or reversed. Instead of the touch rendering Jesus unclean, his touch brings the girl back to life. How is the new community being defined? Not by the laws of the book of Leviticus, 
not by these ritual moves, but it's being defined in relation to him. Know something too, friends. Throughout this story, this artfully crafted story, we hear like a refrain, believe, believe, believe. It doesn't mean primarily here uh, accepting doctrines. It means something much more primordial, much more existential. It means trust. Trust. Do you trust in his power? Do you trust in his touch? That's how you come to know who you are as a people. All of us, to one degree or another, are like the hemorrhaging woman. We're like the daughter of Jairus. We find ourselves cut off, isolated, pariahs, excluded, I don't care who you are. You might be the coolest person around, but, but every one of us can identify to some degree with these people. How do you overcome that feeling? How do you overcome that isolation? You reach out and you touch Jesus Christ, and you allow him to touch you. In that personal contact with him, life flows Life is restored. The community is created. Do you see how these two stories, so beautifully intertwined, are meant to be a story of the creation of the church? How we as the people of God come together, not through the book of Leviticus and its prescriptions, but precisely by being touched by Christ in relation to him. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.